Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It is Monday. I love Mondays. We have roughly about four a month, which uh, seems to work pretty well. It's always good to get back into the studio and start back with another work week. I, I love uh, the ability to come in here and, and spread the good news. And I think of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And that's what our mission is here is to lead people to Christ and then nurture them through great teaching. And we're going to have a lot of it today. I'm going to have uh, Dr. Mark Muska answering your questions uh, in hour two. It's going to be great. So get your questions ready. You can start e- emailing them to me at bill at myfaithradio.com. Or you can send them over on the text line, 877-933-2484. I know you've got questions for Mark because every time I have him on, we always have lots of extra questions that we don't have time to get answered. So I will have some of those ready to give him as well today. But again, uh, questions can be in advance, 877-93-FAITH or bill at myfaithradio.com. Then the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles is going to be coming up. uh, But right now we're going to take a little break and then bring on uh, today's opening guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick J. Albanese. We'll be right back. I'm Neil Stavum, manager of Faith Radio. Our commitment here at Faith Radio is to share the gospel and teach God's Word until Jesus comes. Regardless of economic turmoil or uncertainties about health or any other challenges from living in a fallen world, we're committed to bringing hope in hard times. So in the midst of this pandemic, we're not suspending our service, discontinuing our programming, canceling on our listeners, or shutting down in fear. Our trust is in God's provision for us, and that provision has always come through you. As you give in faith, God meets your needs, and you, along with many others, join in to meet our needs. So would you do your part to keep the message of hope in Christ delivered daily here on Faith Radio? Our spring fundraiser gets underway in a few days, and I look forward to hearing from you. Pray about your part in supporting Faith Radio, and then call 877-933-2484. Or make a gift today online at myfaithradio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I don't think I ever get tired of that song. I love the songs from The Wizard of Oz. Most all of them written by a man named Harold Arlen. And when they were putting the movie together, right uh, as they were getting ready to put it out, they had uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow cut from the movie. They weren't going to put it in. And at the last minute, they inserted that song back into the movie. Probably a good choice. Anyway, Patrick Albany is my guest. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, they, the reason it got put back in is because the director said, I will disassociate myself from this movie if you pull that song. Because they had gone through a couple of directors, and he said, it must stay in. And, and the powers that be said, over the rainbow, it's slow moving. It, what is it? That I don't need, what is it all about? Yeah. And uh, he insisted 
and and was threatening to walk away. And they said, fine, have it your way with your goofy little song that everybody's <laughs> going to hate. <laughs> oh, how does it feel to be so wrong once in a while, huh? You know? You know, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> but is there, is there a, a more well-known song in a movie, period, I, than that? I don't. So. Was it two and a half minutes? Yeah. And what an amazing way to, uh, and, and we should also point out that the reason why you play If I Only Had a Brain is you're not insulting me. <laughs> I know I'm not. I'm complimenting I, you. to remind people of that every now and then that uh, in actuality, when you first started doing the show and you said, what would you like for your intro music? And without hesitation, I said, If I Only Had a Brain. And it isn't because I'm stupid as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on this end. No, but uh, for some reason throughout my entire life, A Wizard of Oz was uh, 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 is, has always been a favorite movie of mine. And, of course, back when we were all kids, it came on usually around Thanksgiving. And you knew when you went to school on the Monday following the Sunday broadcast of Wizard of Oz that everybody in your class had watched it. Everybody was That's watching true. the same channel. And you, you got it once a year. We didn't have the DVDs and videotapes. And so if you wanted to see Wizard of Oz, you had to gather on the television and you had to buy the products they advertised because otherwise you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the movie. So uh, but I, I hum that song every day. I still do have for many, many years. And uh, I it's everything in that movie. The music is just so perfect. So yeah, it is. It is great. So. How are you doing with your social distancing? Uh, you made an interesting point about uh, you made a trip to a big box store the other day, and now they're rationing people who gets to go in. Yes, and uh, I ended up leaving because the people were getting a little bit too close to each other in the line, so they weren't really policing the line. And I ended up going back early the next morning figuring, well, you know, <laughs> you got to get up pretty early to get up earlier than me. I think that's how the saying goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, there's this, uh, the, the line again, only there's only about 20 people. And I said, well, you know, I'll just, I, I need to get this item and I will make sure that I do my social distancing. And I'm in line for maybe 10 minutes and somebody says, this is the return line. Oh no. You can go. So I said, you mean you're making people who want to give stuff back? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but if I want to buy something, I can go right on in. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, it turned out that they were just, but I, I am, not only have I gotten pretty good at the social distancing, I uh, am now teaching it to the dandelions in my yard, trying to keep them six feet apart. And believe me, that is no easy task. No, that's actually a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Because the hard part is not just digging it up, but then finding where do I put it back in the ground? I got to put it back, right? I can't mm -hmm. just... So, you know, the nice thing is when guys like you and I make mistakes, it's usually not the end of the world. You know, you try maybe a joke and it doesn't work and you go, eh, there's always tomorrow. Then I was reading yeah. over the weekend about uh, Kim Jong-un, who is apparently in, in rural North Korea when he has some kind of uh, physical problem and he's rushed to the hospital where I guess the doctor went to put a stent in him. And now we, we haven't heard from him for a couple of weeks and he might be in a vegetative state, but the doctor was... Apparently his hands were shaking because, A, it'd be nerve-wracking to operate on him. And the other thing he said is is that I have no experience operating on obese people. Oh. Oh. That changes yeah, I, everything for him. 
Yeah. Well, and also, you know, operating on somebody like that, you think, you know, if I make a mistake or even if I do everything correctly, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. This may not work out too well for me. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that I, you know, um, it's interesting when well, all these things happening in the world all at the same time, I, and somebody had posted an interesting thing that, uh, Tokyo, the most densely packed city in the world, uh, and they've had a uh, coronavirus, but almost no deaths. Hmm. And I wonder if that's, uh, cause the, the, the Japanese people tend to be very slender. It's, yeah. There's a lot of walking and, and, uh, I, I, have you been there? I've been there a few times. I've never been there. Uh, it's, it's a lot of walking and, uh, it's, it's pretty revitalizing because their subway cars are, are so packed. I remember the first time I was on a subway platform during a rush hour and I said, look at these, these very well-dressed men in uniforms with, with white gloves. They got the gloves on because they just, it's all part of this professional looking uniform. No, the gloves are because they're going to be handling you. <laughs> <laughs> when the subway cars open, door, doors open, they cram you into the car. So you are, you are touching, bodies are touching bodies. You know, we would never accept that here in this country. And yet they're having uh, a lo low incidence of coronavirus death. I don't know how many you know, trains they shut down, but it'd be pretty tough to shut that city down because everybody needs a train to get anywhere. Very, you know, a, a huge percentage of the population, no vehicles. So could it just be the obesity factor? It could be the, be yeah, it could no. be the comorbidity uh, factors that they just don't have quite like uh, other countries. Yeah, I mean, and, and I know they don't have as many feet problems as we do because they don't wear shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and what is that job description? Are you, what is that called? Are you a people crammer? What is that? I, I don't know. I'm sure it has a, a very cool title. Though. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I, it might be. You just push people into a packed car. That just sounds it's, horrible. You almost need to look up a video of it because I, I realize I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's you go. They really, and I've partaken of it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, I'm being shoved. <laughs> now he's very well dressed, and he has gloves on, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, what's it but, like inside those cars? It's got to be quite claustrophobic. It's it's incredible because um, you're usually standing. You're you're lucky to get a seat. And I was remember one trip specifically I took. You were so tightly packed that if I had one of my kids with me, if I had lifted them up between me and the person next to me and then let go of their hands, they would not have hit the ground again. They would have stayed suspended. That's how tightly packed. And so they, when these trains go around a curve, all of you move. You're you're Ooh. like a school fish. It's just so unusual. Yeah. And. They're used to it, and uh, maybe it bothers them, but they just say, well, this is how it is here because we all have to get somewhere, and there's a lot of us in a very small – I mean, think about it. The, the country is about the size of the state of California, and as busy and crowded as California is, it has three, three and a half or so times the population of California, and then a huge percentage of the country is uninhabitable because it's so mountainous. Wow. So it's dense. Yeah. It's Talk about the joys of travel. I mean, some of this I don't miss at all. Yeah, it's uh, as you know, I like, and I think you're like me. You like to drive. Uh, I love to drive places. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy flying, um, and it's not just a fear of flying. I, I don't like the the whole process. Even before, you know, our new rules of taking off belts and shoes, I, I was always 
I just didn't like having to go through, you know, okay, try to cram as much as you can in this small little suitcase, then weigh it. Yeah. You know, uh, I've gotten very good at it. You know, my wife will hand me a suitcase. She goes, what does that weigh? I said, that's 48 pounds. <laughs> we get to the airport and she's like, how do you do that? How do you, that's amazing. And now it, it's a game with the person taking the bag. She says, my husband says that's 48 pounds. She puts on, she goes, 48.1. Wow. You should work at a county fair, guessing people's, you know, weight and age. I think that'd be a nice way to make an extra few bucks here and there. Patrick, let me take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We'll take a little break and be right back. show so glad you're with me today we're gonna have a great show from start to finish i always invite my friend patrick albanese to get things started during the week uh we always have to kind of keep ourselves uh, in a place where we're open to a little laughter now and then because if you don't keep your sense of humor even in tough times i think you're going to be in big trouble patrick your thoughts uh, I agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we we, talk, we spoke last week how, uh, like, Sundays I like to treat like a non-coronavirus day where I just pretend it's a normal Sunday where normally it's like you're not going to the store today. You're not going to be right. doing, you know, a lot of uh, these things. Um, in fact, I completely lost track of time yesterday. No, wait, that was today. What no, hang No. It was the day before. It was the day before yeah. yesterday. Recently, I'm yes. pretty sure I lost. At the time, I have no, what time is it now? <laughs> but are, are are you not looking forward to getting back to certain times? Well, there's no such thing. I know. See, isn't that the amazing thing to go with these uncertain times? You say, well, that's a perennial commercial or a perennial comment because when are times certain? Yeah, good point. Yeah, we we talk about it. We use that word as if it's like, ooh, it's uncertain. It's like, yep, it's kind of always called, has been called life. I mean, they talk about getting back to, you know, that it's going to be a new normal. I go, no, it's not. It's just life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I got the new normal was Netflix, you know, <laughs> you know, so suddenly, you go, hey, I don't have to go to the movie theaters anymore. That's my new normal. And yeah. Right. Some, right. Same I think we both found a, an interesting article that Dave Rubin wrote about uh, how we need to have uh, bravery. And I thought that was interesting that there is a um, a scarcity of bravery, how we need to speak up and be bold. And I think when it comes to uh Sharing your faith or standing up for whatever it is, you got to speak out loud and not be afraid. Is it's? Uh, I, I think it's amazing how the the enemy. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, and you know, if Satan were to create um, his perfect world, he would say, "Well, if I can't get people to quit their religions." I'll settle for getting them to being too afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll settle for them being uh, ashamed of it at times when I will put them in the company of people that will mock and make fun of, uh, you know, a distorted version of what they think this person believes. 
And instead of saying, no, that's not exactly, you know, you, I don't think you're reading that correctly. Uh, and, and it's, it's, you have to give credit where credit is due. It's been very effective. And I know I have bowed down to, do I want to do this fight? Uh, you know, it, it obviously can cross into political areas or, you know, we, we, we had an election in 2016 and people say, I don't understand how Donald Trump won. I don't know anybody that supports him. You say, well, because you mocked those people so mercilessly that anybody that might be a supporter of him just won't say anything. And I think that's why they are so outward, so overt about their mocking of Christianity. They say, well, nobody seems to object when I do it. Mm-hmm. You say, mm-hmm. you're going, yeah. yeah. And I think that's you know? what we, we sort of found interesting. Uh, Dave Rubin was saying that it's called the bravery deficit, where good people are afraid to say what they think. You know, when you say, is it any wonder that uh, if you believe that men can't give birth, congrats, you're, you're a transphobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's funny because you could say, well, and we don't have to divide this up into the party of science or the people right. who say they believe in science. But uh, it's obviously a little bit malleable. And you say, well, you know, a- as I understand it currently, uh, and I realize that things could change, we could make some amazing discoveries, but that is an impossibility. Right. You know, and but you're right. You, you know, you say that and then and next thing you know, you're labeled a hater. Right. And you think. I'm a hater. I'm just saying, you know, that it, it, it's, it's, it, you, you, I, I heard somebody um, uh, on the radio recently and they're, they talk so matter of factly about climate and weather, even though all of these predictions, because as you recall, when you and I were in high school, my textbook was on um, the ice age and uh, that then we were going to die of famine. There was a whole bunch of things and all these predictions, none of them came true. So you say, well, okay, the track record isn't, you know, so good right now. So I guess what the, the, what we can say is the science is settled in that the science is never settled. Uh, but, yeah, you can't even say, well, I'm not, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I used to do this thing. I used to actually look up the highs and the lows temperature-wise, for instance, on any given day. And when somebody would say, if we were getting to a warm spell and somebody say, it's it's just never been this hot <laughs> And I was the guy, the actually guy. I said, well, actually, you know, in uh, <laughs> 1982, it was a lot hotter. He's like, how do you know? Well, I looked it up on the weather. You know, they they have the things. They have the highs and the lows. You can look these things up. And yes, it's been hotter. But a record was set somewhere today. <laughs> a record is set somewhere every day. That's not to, you know, say anything about, you know, the the the, the climate other than how can you be so certain about things uh, and I think to get back to your point with the Dave Rubin article is you get to the point you say, I, I can't even do the battle anymore and I'm tired of it and then I'm going to get mocked and I'm going to get made fun of and then and I'm going to lose friends, Facebook, my Facebook friends, you know, my whole life I've been happy to have six friends, but on Facebook I have 2,000 and I can't lose a single one of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're all so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the whole idea is that if you are, uh, if you have one slip and you are, if you're on the wrong side of any hot button issue, you're done and you'll be done in an instant and you'll probably never get a chance to confront your accusers and most people will be anonymous. So, and then good luck apologizing because that's not going to help. 
That's not going to help. And not only that, and they they feel comfortable that uh, if it means you lose your livelihood, they're perfectly fine with that. That's a little. That's one of the things I think that it has been the most effective weapon that gets people to be quiet. It's like they're going to they're going to get me to lose my job. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm right, they're going to create a firestorm, and I could lose my job. I could yeah. lose my livelihood. Yeah. So. So. Um... We chatted about this a little bit over the weekend, but I think it was a friend of yours had written something just about the whole idea of reopening the country and how that was, uh, you know, being selfish. Um, yes. And tell, tell the listeners a little bit about that. Well, you know, and, and, and I loved the way this person had put it and, and made me really, and I've been thinking about it all weekend where, you know, we say, okay, here is essential, these are the essential jobs, and some of you have non-essential jobs. Uh, magician, by the way, turns out non-essential. <laughs> <laughs> this I know to be true. Yeah, I will be lobbying my Congress critters to uh, get that changed. Yeah. But until that happens, so somebody gets to determine what's essential, what's non-essential, and then you realize that you, and you, you these people that are saying you, you must stay at home, you got to do the right thing and prevent the spread of disease, but the only reason we're able to stay home is because other people are going to their jobs. And maybe they'd, what if they don't want to? What if they'd say, gosh, I really don't want to go work and provide the electricity and the energy, or I don't want to drive a truck to get the food to the grocery stores because I'm worried about my health. Sorry, you're you're an essential job and you must go to work so that other people can stay home and say, I'm doing my part. But you realize it's probably a huge percentage of people are in these essential jobs, a vast majority, really, what is it, 60, 70, 80%? Because not everybody has lost their job and you go to the grocery store and you think, well, everybody's here working. The stock, stockers are stocking, cashiers are cashiering. And the people that brought the food here and the farmers that grew the food and the people that provided the energy to power all of the tools to get the food here. And you think, my goodness, there are millions and millions of people that go out and do their job every day and aren't able to stay home. So in a way we're saying, well, they're risking either spreading the disease or catching it themselves and they're doing it so that I can. Right. Maybe we need to be a little bit more, you know, when somebody says I have to get back to work, maybe we don't need to be calling them a selfish person. Maybe we should look at ourselves and say, well, gosh, I'm counting on the Amazon driver. I'm counting on the post office because I'm buying things online pretty much. At an alarming rate, actually. And my garbage got picked up this morning, and yeah, and I made more garbage. Right. I and I and I made, what did I make the garbage with? With the stuff that I bought, the food, and right. you know, just yeah. In so, the house. in oh conclusion, goodness. I think it's uh, wise that we always uh, be grateful, and also to pray for our country and pray for the safety of all the people who are out working, uh, so we can not be out. If that's your case, if that's your story, yeah. Patrick, thanks for doing the show. If you're one of the lucky ones, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And there's that banjo music that says that says it's time to go. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> All right, have a good day. You too. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break when we come back. Pastor David Miles for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll be right back.
be honest. Are you head bobbing right now? A little bit of head bobbing? There okay. is head bobbing right on. Are you head bobbing, David? I am head bobbing. Yeah, Rebecca and I are head bobbing. Listening to that jazz, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and uh, Rebecca Maxwell. Greetings, greetings. Greetings to you, Bill. Hi, Thank Bill. You. I've been here for half an hour. <laughs> I know, but I mean, you can say something. <laughs> you can talk. Nice to see you. Oh, yeah. hey, Rebecca, we have to say, he said our names, and, you know, it is Bill Arnold. Well, people are... And I, Bill Arnold. They should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Never assume. Never assume. That's a good, nope. very good point. That's a very good That's point. That's what mom told us, right? Yep, yep. So let me get things started with a passage from uh, Matthew chapter 6, if I may do uh, the honors of reading this. It starts in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow it is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that concludes the end of the reading. Wow. That's a good word. That is a powerful word. It is. And sometimes it's kind of like, uh, okay, Lord, you just said, do not be anxious. It's like, are you with me where I'm at? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Bill, what, what would be really neat to find out too, is if those who are listening right now, um, if you're driving, pull over so that there's less things to be anxious about. But if people would just email and text in, what are some of the things that they're feeling anxiety about or they're feeling anxious about? And would love to hear from our listening audience on that. All right. Uh, I did not know David was going to do this, but that's a great suggestion. And you can text it to 877 933 Two, four, eight, four. I like it. Looking forward to getting the text messages. I know for me that list is embarrassingly long of things I do and have worried about. So I guess the question is, I see the verse, do not be anxious. And I understand in my head, but how do I tell that to my heart? I think we had, we had talked one time about having a conversation with ourselves and, and also just letting scripture um, kind of permeate our mind. But 
you know, it's also understanding kind of like what we're, what what, he, what Jesus is talking about and what he's not talking about. I think, you know, when you look at the definition of anxiety, it's kind of this painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind that's usually over impending or anticipated ill. You know, that's one of the definitions that gives. So it's like this all-consuming um, thing that literally paralyzes us, which is which is different from say concern. You know, it's different from those things that that we might um, you know be aware of. This is kind of like very debilitating. And one of the things that's different from concern and worry is that worry literally immobilizes us, but concern can move us to action. Mm, I like. So when you think of what your hope is, where your hope is, if your hope is in your bank account or in something other than Christ, when you think about those things, you will have a lot of fear and anxiety. Yeah, Bill, it's really interesting because just touching upon that, the section of Scripture just previous to this of uh, Matthew 6.25 is the whole section on laying up treasures in heaven. You know, not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of that happens. And for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Jesus goes on to say, listen, no one can serve two masters. He's going to hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and you know, um, and despise the other, that you can't serve God and money. And I think there is a saying there that it's not so much, that that it's not wrong for you to own things. The problem becomes when things own you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said, uh, David. But but wherever our hope is, that is, I think, you know, I think it was a a pastor, I can't remember who, but said the, um, your nightmares will oftentimes reveal your idols. It was Tim Keller said that, that your nightmares will often reveal your idols. So if you wake up and you're fearing that you're going to be losing something, and that was your nightmare, there's a good uh, chance that that is what you're holding the highest esteem in your life. And that was the conclusion to that thought. No, you, guys are just, you guys are just hanging me out to dry. Just a little. Are you worried about well, that? No, I'm not worried about that. I'm just not. I, I look, you know, I look forward to hearing back from our audience. But, you know, Rebecca, I'd love to hear from you, even as a mom, you know, what are some of the things in the midst of, you know, COVID-19? Not saying that dads don't experience this and that we're not worried about those things, but I'd love to hear from a mom's heart on some of the things that this season, and as you've talked with other friends and moms about this. What are some of the things that have come up to the surface? Well, I think they're all the little detail worries that are hitting all at once. So now it's not just are are the kids eating and do they have clothes that fit and is everybody healthy, but it's there's a sickness that I can't control. So the healthy thing is kind of out the window. Um, a lot of the usual supply chains are 
are different, if not eliminated. Um, a lot of women are working at home as well. And so it's how do I be good at work? And now I'm a teacher or facilitating education for many moms, many kids. You're trying to manage an awful lot of things. Can I remember my organic chemistry from ninth grade and my pre-algebra from seventh grade and, you know, how to, you know, construct a sentence for my third grader all at the same time while I'm trying to do my work? I think maybe it can be summed up with, am I going to be enough? Mm. Am I going to be enough? Because it feels like at the end of the day, my strength is zapped and maybe I wasn't enough and I can't control a lot of things. So it's, it's a question of control and a question of trust. Mm -hmm. That's really good. One of our, uh, one of our listeners, one of our listeners uh, just wrote in and said, making a mistake at work. That's something Mm -hmm. that they are concerned about and online schooling looks like another one mm-hmm. yeah because it's not exactly sure you know what is going to be necessarily the new normal i think it was articulated that out on the west coast that they might actually still continue with online schooling going into the fall hmm so many things are uncertain and we depend on new tools that maybe people aren't as familiar with or, um, you know, maybe your job is less certain than it has been or I know a lot of industries have been pretty hard hit as well. Uh, so there's there's so many uncertainties. Again, I think that, as you were saying, Bill, that reveals where we put our trust. Mm-hmm. If we are shaken by the absence or the changing of those things, which we probably didn't have control over anyway, realistically, then it means that our trust was in something less than the unshakable God. And I've thought about that as I'm able to look out my window and see the birds because it's such nice weather and the birds are absolutely loving it. Uh, And I see exactly what this passage is talking about when when Jesus probably pointed to a field where there were birds and, and they're not worried about this in the slightest. It's just a normal spring to them. They're not worried about anything and God has continued to provide for them. They have no reason to worry. And while things may change around us, if God continues as he has promised to provide for us, maybe in new or different ways, then I guess I really have no reason to worry either. And, and Jesus says that, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. But I don't know if that's how many of us feel every day. I think there's a preoccupation with what are we going to eat and how are we going to get food and groceries. And uh, we, we sometimes have a desire to be that way, but we don't always pull it off. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting, my... My my beloved wife, Tammy, will often say this, you know, we'll be talking even pre-COVID, pre-coronavirus, and something would pop up and she'd say, you know, these really are such first world problems, you know, that some of the things that, but they're still very much our problems, you know. Um, so when Jesus is talking to these individuals, you know, they, they one, they were already being colonized by Rome. Um, they were already a group of poor people. Um, disenfranchised and and the like. And, you know, in one of the stories where Jesus uh, breaks the bread and multiplies the loaves in John chapter 6, uh, there's this little neat part there that says that the little boy had bar- brought barley loaves, and barley was the grain of the poor. So when Jesus multiplied the loaves there, it says 
that they saw that they wanted to make him king by force because they saw him being the prophet that was talked about in Deuteronomy 18.15. So they were they're like, you know what, we're under this oppression, we're being taxed to death, all these various things. But they didn't have like the various safety nets and the various things that are going on. There was no stimulus package. Mm. And so sometimes even when we're, we're in, 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 you know, feeling led to say like, okay, God, what, what were you thinking? Like, you don't understand my reality. That's why we want to go back and say, what was Jesus and who was Jesus speaking to in the first century audience that he spoke to? Well said. All right, let's take a little, let's take a little break. Uh, we'll be right back with the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. What are you, what are you worrying about right now? Um, some good uh, contributions are coming in. We'll talk about them when we get back. Welcome back to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Speaking of that trio, Maxwell's got a terrific question to, to raise and a contribution to make. Take it away, Rebecca. I don't know that it's fully percolated yet, David. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I just wanted to open up. I don't know, as we've read this passage in Matthew 6 about not worrying, I don't know how much I've thought about the latter part of verse uh, 25, where Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And this last part is interesting. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And it got me to thinking that this Jesus is saying this right after he had just come off of a 40-day fast when he was tempted in, in the wilderness. And if anybody would know what it is to be hungry, it is it is that, that state. It would be Jesus. So I'm thinking about how God provides what we need, but it might not be what we think that we need. Um, and I just, I would love to get your thoughts on the latter part of that verse about the life being more than food and the body more than clothes. Yeah, you know, that it's, it's a great, you know, verse. And I think in essence, you know, Jesus begins pointing out this very fact that God gave us life. And if he gave us life, surely we can trust him with the lesser things. Because if you don't have life, you don't have nothing to worry about, you know. So in essence, um, uh, he is to be trusted. And then he goes on to give the example of saying he provides for the birds of the air. And then he goes on to speak about the lilies. But to your point at the end of verse 25, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It is. Jesus elsewhere in Luke 12 says, you know, don't let, you know, life isn't about the abundance of possessions. And then Paul writes in 1 Timothy that says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be contempt, or content, con, not contempt, but content. And so there are some things that are, that are, you know, very important and food and clothing are, but God's like, you know, I got your life. And because I have your life, you can trust me with the lesser things. It, it's interesting, Rebecca, too, on that note, God will provide. And in God's economy of things, he also uses other people to be a part of that. So when we go back to the beginning of chapter six of Matthew, um, you know, 
Verse two, that's when you give to the needy, you know, and then verse four, that's when you give to the needy. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it's this idea that God still wants to use us as a means of being a blessing to other people as well. Great point. Yeah, great point, David. And I always go back to uh, Psalm 103, because I've memorized the whole thing. And in 15 and 16, it says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. And I think of the words that Jesus is using in Matthew 6, where he says pretty much the same thing. Um, How God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I think we, we have to stop and take inventory that this life is so short, and it is a mist. And the most important thing we will ever come to terms with is, are we right with God? Have we made a decision to repent and to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior? That is key. And, you know, to do it, why it's today, you know, um, we've highlighted a verse that we really, really love and one that's just rich, which is 2 Corinthians five twenty one that God for our sakes made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I remember like reading through that verse one time because I was, I was going through a message and, you know, pastors like to have, you know, well, you know, good, good outlines and stuff. But I remember that might actually interrupted kind of my outline. And I was kind of like, well, why is it might, you know? Um, But Chapter 6, verse 2 of Corinthians tells us why. And it says, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And it's the idea that we might become the righteousness of God, because some people say, well, that's great for the women and the children. That's great after I live life to my fullest, this whole thing. You know, it's great for tomorrow I'm going to do such and such. But now, today, at this moment, you know, at 351, as you're driving in your car, if God is speaking to your heart about his free gift in Jesus Christ, now is the time of your favor. Now is the day of salvation for you. And to receive Christ, And here's an interesting point on that, noting to the time. Because of that reality, if you're kind of like, you know what, forget you, God. You know, I'm going to do my own thing. One thing you won't be able to say to the Lord is like, I never knew. Mm. Because they'll say some crazy dude named Miles, who has some much more saner people, uh, Maxwell and Arnold, they shared about with you about this incredible message, this incredible peace treaty as 2 Corinthians 5.18, that God set out and said, be reconciled to me. Come into a rightful relationship with me. Yeah, you can't do it, but I've done it for you. Nicely nicely said. I like that. A couple uh, listeners jumped in, and a comment was, God just spoke to me. Be still and know that I am God. For me, it's evil actions from ungodly people that I can't control. 
There's been a lot of that in my life lately, and what I must do is know that God is in control even when it looks like Satan is. Another listener said, I am currently anxious about the salvation of my loved ones as I believe Jesus could return soon. I need to be more prepared to share the gospel, which I've never felt confident doing. That's a lot of honesty. Yeah. And, you know, God can use... um, He... He uses what what's available, what he bring, what you bring to him. So you know, um, I remember hearing of someone sharing the gospel, and someone asked them, and they like basically stumbled over everything that they said. <laughs> but the reality of what the gospel was, and what that person shared, as imperfectly as it was, God used that to speak to a person's heart, and for that person to trust the Lord. And so. You know, continue to pray, and God's put that burden on your heart for that loved one. You know, Bill, as people have been writing in, and, and someone had mentioned just, you know, God spoke to me, I think that brings us to kind of Jesus's antidote for worry, which he gives us in verse 33, where he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And to think that to seek God's kingdom of all else means putting God first in your life, to fill your thoughts with his desires, to take his character for your pattern, and to serve and obey him in everything. It's, it's saying, God, you get to have priority, uh, as we talk with our kids, that God gets to have the steering wheel of our lives. Mm-hmm. So, David, when you talk about God's grace being sufficient for me today— why would I want God's grace for tomorrow when I'm not in tomorrow yet? Um, I think, you know, we find ourselves looking um, forward so often that we often miss the very present, which is actually a present. Right. Uh, you know, and one person had noted that. Uh, the ill effects of worry and why Jesus told us not to do that is that worry can damage our health. It can disrupt our productivity. It can negatively affect the way we treat others, and it can reduce our, you know, our ability to want to trust God. And so um, one thing that's helpful for us in actually enjoying today uh, is, as one man told a young man once, he said, please remember the biggest troubles you have got to face are those that never come. And worry about the future is wasted effort, and the future a reality is seldom as bad as the future of our fears. Mm. And so, you know, I, I think going back to Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown, who writes on, on vulnerability, she talks about foreboding. And foreboding is basically a way that we scare the living daylights out of ourselves in an attempt to try to prepare us to, to brace ourselves for what might come. And oftentimes we're bracing ourselves for something that will never come. But it doesn't stop us from kind of going through the motions and, and going through uh, the hurdles. And so when we constantly worry, um, they had noted that two typical modern-day diseases are stomach ulcers and coronary thrombosis, which they say, you know, result from worry. And the medical fact was this, that he who laughs the most lives the longest. Hmm. 
And so that's that's one way. And yeah. and then when we think about it, Jesus is again telling us like how rational uh, is worry because which one of us can add a cubic, which is eighteen inches? Which one of us can add eighteen inches to our stature? I'm sure a number of people, you know, would. A number of middle school and high school boys would like to add eighteen inches to their statue. Or the other way that it's translated is who can add an hour to their life, which none of us like, none of us can. Mm-hmm. And so I think we find ourselves constantly, um, you know, ruminating and thinking, and again, separating room worry from concern. Worry, which paralyzes us, concern, which um, leads to action. Yeah. And 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 starting something, you know, prayerfully saying, Lord, what what is the next step that you want me to take right now? And even if the next step is what that one sister said, which is be still, that's still a step that you're trusting the Lord to do. Good point. All right. I had a couple more comments that came in, and I'm going to carry them into the next hour. I'll ask Dr. Mark Muska uh, what he thinks about this. But uh, David, always good to have you with us on the mid, the Monday afternoon mix. Wonderful. Great to be with you guys as well. And the, the listening audience is in for a treat with Mark coming up next with you too. Isn't that the truth? He's the best. Yeah. And you're the best. Thanks a lot. I will talk to you next Monday. Sounds good. God you bless bet. you guys. Uh, yeah, God bless you as well. Make sure you get your questions over to me at 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484 for Dr. Mark Muska. Ask the professor. It'll be a great hour. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.